Hello and welcome in to another edition of the Big Ten Talk podcast here at CSNChicago.com. I'm Vinny Duber, Big Ten writer for CSNChicago.com, and I'll be taking you through week one as well as week two in the Big Ten as we recap and then look ahead. Some huge wins in week one. We had Wisconsin take uh, take down LSU up at Lambeau Field, uh, Ohio State and, um, and Michigan combining for, uh, I think it was close to a million points uh, in their two wins over Bowling Green and Hawaii. Uh, and then, uh, you know, some surprises too. Northwestern goes down to Western Michigan. So we'll take a look at every game in the Big Ten uh, from week one. It was a great week for the Big Ten. 12-2 and two was the record combined by all 14 teams. Uh, so they are doing much better than some other conferences out there. Cough, cough, SEC, cough, cough. So the week two is coming up, and we're going to take a look at every game on the schedule for week two as well, get you ready for the second week of Big Ten football. Obviously not as enthralling the matchups for the most part in week two as they were in week one, uh, but some big games out there. Illinois takes on North Carolina. Uh, Penn State taking on Pitt, Iowa taking on Iowa State. So those latter two, some in-state rivalry games. And we're going to talk about two of those games. Jeremy Werner from Illini Inquirer is going to be joining us uh, to talk about Illinois uh, and Lovey Smith and his tenure opening win against Murray State, as well as looking ahead to the big non-conference game against North Carolina this weekend. And we're also going to be joined by Megan Ryan of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, who's going to talk about Penn State and that game against Pitt, renewing a rivalry that's been dormant for 16 years. So people in Pennsylvania are real excited about that. And we're going to talk to her, get all the lowdown on the Nittany Lions. So all that is coming up a little bit later. Let's uh, let's take some time and look at week one. Uh, we'll kind of go down the schedule and see uh, who did what in case you missed any of the action this past weekend. Uh, remember, it started all the way back on Thursday with Indiana uh, and Minnesota playing the Hoosiers. Uh, one, thanks to their defense. Uh, Divine Redding looked good uh, at running back there, but the defense was the story. Two pick sixes uh, powered that comeback win over Florida International. 34-13 to the final, thanks to a 22-point uh, fourth quarter there for the Hoosiers. Minnesota, the big story there was Tayon Devers, the true freshman defensive end, kind of kick-starting the Gophers in that game. Uh, he had two sacks that resulted in fumbles in the first half, and that set up a pair of Gopher touchdowns. Uh, Mitch Leidner and Rodney Smith ended up having pretty good games, too, combining to rush for over 200 yards uh, with four touchdowns between them. Uh, of course, Tracy Clays is kind of strange decision to go for a two-point conversion uh, late in the game there with a minute and a half left. Uh, caused a lot of panic on social media, but it ended up being fine. The Gophers won 30-23 to uh, over Oregon State. Friday night, it was Michigan State. They took on Furman, uh, the FCS team there. They're going to get uh, some flack uh, probably for only winning by 15 points, but uh, not to worry. Tyler O'Connor looked all right uh, with his three touchdown passes. LJ Scott's going to shoulder the load there in the running game, it looks like. So I, I don't think there's too much to worry about yet for the Spartans. They, uh, they're they doing just fine. Uh, the big story of the weekend, obviously, was Wisconsin scoring a huge win over number 5 LSU. 16-14 to was the final up at Lambeau Field. The bad your defense. How about it? They came to play. They did not let Leonard Fournette touch the end zone. They did not. Uh, they, they picked off a pair of passes, three turnovers in total. Um, but of course, the biggest one was Dakota Dixon's interception late in the fourth quarter, which kind of sealed the game uh, for Wisconsin. Just a massive win. Uh, they vaulted up to 10 in the AP poll, going from unranked to 10. Uh, they they are all of a sudden now in the conversation as one of the best teams in the Big Ten. And I, I, I think that's really impressive 
for a team that, considering what their schedule looks like, looked like, and still looks like, uh, we kind of, I don't want to say wrote off, but I think we, we lowered our expectations considering how many games we thought they would lose just because the teams that were playing were so great. Um, to be able to go toe-to-toe with LSU, with the way that defense looked, it, it kind of seems like they can go toe-to-toe with anybody now. So the very challenging start to Big Ten play for the Badgers in a few weeks. Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State are the first three games. Um, it's going to be very tough, but again, now we've got the Badgers. We're talking about them as a top 10 team, so that's that's an amazing job uh, by Paul Christ's crew there. Um, the team that is the best team in the Big Ten, Ohio State, showed it 77 points against Bowling Green. 77-10 uh, to 10 was the final in Columbus. JT Barrett, almost 350 yards passing. He threw six touchdown passes. He rushed in for another. Mike Weber looked good out of the backfield. Curtis Samuel was fantastic as a big playmaker. So the Buckeyes guys have not gone anywhere. They are still the best team, uh, even though they lost all that talent to the NFL. It's going to be very impressive to watch the Buckeyes continue to play uh, as we go along this season. So there you go. And Michigan's right on their heels. They beat Hawaii 63-3. Wilton Spate uh, in his first game as the starting quarterback uh, looked great. Chris Evans, not Captain America, a different guy, uh, could be a very uh, new weapon out of the backfield. He went for over 100 yards rushing in that game, too. And, of course, the defense limiting Hawaii, uh, who's logging a team that's logging quite a bit of frequent flyer miles to only three points there. So a great job by both Ohio State and Michigan, and they kind of showed that they deserve to be the highest-ranked powers there out in that Big East uh, Big Ten East division, not the Big East. You don't want to be out there uh, in the non-existent Big East. Uh, <laughs> uh, Rutgers as we stay in the Big Ten East, uh, had a very troubling start to the season against Washington. We knew this was going to be a tough game. Washington looks for real out there in the Pac-12. But 48-13 to is a beatdown. Uh, Rutgers didn't even get a touchdown, didn't even get into the end zone till till the final minutes of the game. Uh, so this was pretty tragic for them. Uh, they got whomped. Uh, by Washington, which is a very good team. We knew this was going to be a, a very tall task, um, but Rutgers had to go a whole continent away just to get blown out. Uh, not a great start to the Chris Ash era there. Um, Iowa uh, showed that they are potentially going to repeat as Big Ten West uh, division champs. Uh, no trouble with Miami, Ohio winning 45-21. to Akram Wadley and LaShun Daniels, you know, the, you hear all the talk about C.J. Beathard at quarterback, but Wadley and Daniels could make it so it's the Iowa running game that really drives the bus this year. Those two combined for over 200 yards and four touchdowns um, in that win for the Hawkeyes. Uh, Purdue got a good game from Markel Jones as they beat Eastern Kentucky by three touchdowns, 45-24. to uh, Maryland won DJ Durkin's debut, uh, beating Howard 52-13. Uh, to No picks for the Terps. Maryland quarterbacks without an interception on the season, so that's a very positive sign. Um... Real trouble in Evanston as Northwestern lost to Western Michigan, 22-21. to Justin Jackson had a phenomenal game, 124 yards and three touchdowns, but it was overshadowed by the biggest play of the game, Clayton Thorson fumbling on the goal line in the final minutes as Northwestern looked like they were going to go in and take the lead and win the game. Western Michigan, uh, you know, not a bad team, a very good team, the reigning MAC champs, and so losing to them is not uh, the problem. It's how they lost. Northwestern's defense, um, which was so good last year, really had some troubles uh, against Western Michigan, and the offense, despite looking better than it looked last year when it was one of the worst in the Big Ten, uh, couldn't make up for it. So 22-21, to Northwestern is 0-1, uh, and they're going to have to figure things out quick. They've got Illinois State, um, coming up and then Duke. So 
We'll see. Uh, Penn State, uh, their defense did not look bad. They were fantastic. 33-13, the win over Kent State. Uh, you know, Trace McSorley and Saquon Barkley had good games on the offensive side of the ball, but seven sacks for the Penn State defense, three forced turnovers. They're looking okay uh, despite losing those big names along the defensive line. We'll talk to Megan Ryan uh, from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette about Penn State later on. Uh, Illinois won Levy Smith's first game, 52-3. to That's a, quite the beatdown of Murray State. Uh, Wes Lunt threw three touchdown passes. Kendrick Foster with two 56-yard touchdown runs. Um, and the Illinois defense looked phenomenal. Uh, they, they got interceptions on their first two series. So uh, a pretty perfect game there against an FCS team, of course. A huge step up in competition will tell us exactly what the Illini are. This week when they take on North Carolina, probably the biggest non-conference team opponent to come to Champaign in about five years or so. So we'll talk to Jeremy Werner uh, from Illini Inquirer about the Illini uh, in just a bit. And then finally, Nebraska, they open their season with a 43-10 win over Fresno State. Uh, a huge game for the Huskers rushing attack uh, with that with them almost touching 300 yards rushing and scoring five touchdowns on the ground. So that's week one in the Big Ten. If you missed any of it, there it all is. Uh, (laughs) We're going to talk now. We're going to turn our attention to week two. Uh, Let's take a look at that schedule right here. We have another weekday game to uh, kick things off, just like we did last week. Uh, Maryland plays uh, who else but at Florida International. Man, uh, Big Ten fans are getting used to uh, seeing uh, Ron Turner's home field down there uh, in the Sunshine State. Maryland plays Florida International at 6.30. Hopefully the Terps can keep going what they did uh, this past week against an FCS team in Howard. Uh, And then we move to Saturday where Nebraska will play host to Wyoming at 11 a.m. And then a big game, uh, uh, one of the bigger games of the weekend is Penn State at Pitt. That game's going to be played at Heinz Field, the home of the uh, Steelers. That game is also at 11 a.m. Central time. All these times are central, by the way. Um, That's a big rivalry. That game was played every year for decades, and uh, for the last 16 years it has not been played at all. Uh, And now with two pretty high-profile head coaches in that state in James Franklin and Pat Narduzzi, uh, that game is back on, and that game should look fun. Again, we're going to talk about it coming up uh, in a little bit here at length. Uh, We're going to talk about the Nittany Lions. So get ready for that. Number five, Michigan, number five in the latest AP poll. They will host uh, Central Florida at 11 o'clock um, as Jim Harbaugh's team looks to keep rolling. Purdue uh, also plays at 11. They will play host to Cincinnati and West Lafayette. Rutgers gets Howard, the aforementioned Howard Bison, uh, at 11 a.m. Uh, with their home opener in New Jersey. Minnesota will take on an FCS team in Indiana State. That game's at 11 as well. Northwestern looks to bounce back uh, from that loss to Western Michigan against Illinois State. Again, Illinois State, uh, an FCS team, but not a program to sneeze at. Brock Speck has turned that, uh, a former former Purdue guy, has turned that one into uh, a very formidable uh, FCS team there. So uh, that game's at 2.30 in Evanston. Ohio State, with its fresh new number four ranking, will take on Tulsa at 230. We'll see if they can match that 77-point output they had uh, against Bowling Green. Uh, New number 10, Wisconsin, will take on Akron. They get a little bit of a uh, breather here the next two games, if you want to put it that way. Uh, Akron is the first of those two games before that huge Big Ten uh, schedule starts. Uh, That game also at 230 up at Camp Randall. That's the home opener for the Badgers as well. Indiana will take on Ball State at 3 o'clock. And then there are two night games on the schedule. Uh, Iowa uh, hosts Iowa State in that in-state rivalry. That game's at 6.30 in Iowa City. And then Illinois 
will take on North Carolina. Uh, that game's also at 6.30 in Champaign. Probably the biggest non-conference regular season game uh, to be played uh, in Champaign in about five years. So a very big game coming up for the Illini. And that is a perfect transition to our first guest. Jeremy Warner joins us now from Illini Inquirer. He knows everything there is to know about the Illini. Jeremy, how are you today? Doing well, Benny. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah, sure thing, sure thing. So 52-3 to is a pretty good way to start off a season, pretty good way to start off Lovey Smith's tenure. Uh, but it was Murray State. How much can we learn from uh, what the Illini did in Week 1? Uh, it was a feel-good day. I mean, the crowd was great, Vinny. It was the best uh, home opener crowd Illinois had since 2010. Uh, I mean, North Carolina is going to bring a lot of excitement for that game. Your offense scored a bunch of points. Your defense allowed 10, negative 10 rushing yards, uh, six sacks. It was an exciting day, but you're right, Vinny. I mean, it really doesn't mean much. I mean, they beat Kent State, which is a little higher of a program there in the MAC, 52-3 to last year, and that ended up being a 5-17 and that lost six of its last seven games. So, it's a feel-good win. It's, it's great to get the Lovey Smith era started off like that. You know, you're on the cover of the Sun-Times, the Tribune has a huge cover graphic for you. All that's great publicity for Illinois, but you really got to see what they can do against opponents that are as big as them, as fast as them, as strong as them, and they haven't been as big, strong, and fast as, you know, North Carolina's and, and the rest of the Big Ten program. So Saturday is really going to tell us a whole lot more. But, you know, Saturday, feel-good day, great day for Illinois. Uh, we'll see how they uh, bounce or how they uh, kind of react react to that one yeah you mentioned identical score to last year's opener and uh, that coaching situation obviously couldn't have been more different than what it is right now what uh what if anything was different about this year's 52 to 3 win compared to last year's 52 to 3 win you know last year there's a lot of emotion and you know bill cubitt I think Illini fans are thankful that he's not their head coach, but at the same time, I think he did a heck of a job last year. That that should have been a disaster last year, but that team was competitive in most of their games outside of that Penn State game, uh, despite having a lack of talent, all the injuries they had, and despite all the distractions off the field. But there was a lot that was different, uh, you know, on Saturday. You know, the offense is more like a typical Big Ten offense. Garrick McGee wants to run the football, and even if he's not effective like he was with uh, Keyshawn Vaughn early in the game. He wants to set a tone that this is what we're going to do. We're going to run the football right at you. Um, So they really want to have more of a Big Ten style of scheme. I think the offense is a little bit simpler uh, for West One. It's not as complicated. You know, more one read, two read kind of things. They huddle up now on offense. So just a more pro-style offense than kind of the, you know, spread-style gimmicky offense that Bill Cuban ran to some success his first two years, but not so much uh, last year. And then on defense, this is just a much more aggressive defense. I mean, last year you saw a little bit of it with Mike Fair, the defensive line coach. You know, he came under uh, Lovey Smith in Chicago with the Bears, so he was more attacking up front. But in the back seven, they were really kind of reactionary under Tim Banks. And, you know, you saw it in the Wisconsin game last year where they just kind of picked apart Illinois' zone defense, and Illinois never got out of it. This defense, press coverage, they're going to be very aggressive as they were early in the game getting two interceptions. It's all about takeaways, as Bears fans know. And I think it was a really good sign early on that you saw this team get a couple takeaways. This front this front four is going to be really good. I mean, Dewan Smoot's one of the best players in the country. I think he's the best pass rusher in the Big Ten. Carol Phillips is really good. Uh, so the defense, I think, is going to be pretty good this year. The questions are more on that offense and what they can do against real opponents. A couple big plays from that offense, specifically from Kendrick Foster, who had a couple 56-yard touchdown runs. I mean, what would it mean for for that offense to have him as another weapon to utilize out of that backfield? 
he's a heck of a story, isn't he, Vinny? Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, he announced, like, I think it was November 28th, that he was transferring. And I don't think he got as much interest as he thought. He told me the other day he got some FCS interest. But he was a slow running back. Like we saw last year against Minnesota, he's tough. In between the tackles, he always kept his feet moving. Uh, he kind of had those Maurice Jones drew thighs where they were so thick. You're like, how does that guy even move? Uh, but he ran about a 4.740. He said he's down to the high 4.4s now. He lost about 6-7% body fat and just completely changed his body. And Lovey Smith is, has focused on that since he got here. He basically said we're a fat team. We're a slow team. So everybody had to kind of trim up. He adds legit speed, and Keyshawn Vaughn's going to be the workhorse. I don't think there's any competition here, um, but Kendrick Foster gives you a, a legit complimentary back, a change of pace back with that kind of speed. He's a good blocker, a good receiver, but you see what a, a speed threat can do for this offense. Now, again, we got to see if he can do it against really good defenses, but I, I, even if he's not a star, which I don't think Kendrick Foster is going to be, Illinois needed some depth at running back so that you know Keyshawn Vaughn wasn't doing the Justin Jackson thing and, and averaging 30 carries per game so foster adds a, a definite um, surprise um i had i saw it in camp but I, I needed to see it in a game to actually believe it and he he absolutely did it on uh on saturday against murray state yeah so you've obviously mentioned it a lot already this week against north carolina i believe it was you who asked lovey smith uh earlier this week you know is this a measuring stick game and uh, eventually he got around to saying that it was uh but you know this really is a big game i, I as far as i can remember it's the the biggest the biggest non-conference regular season opponent to come to Champaign in a long time. Uh, and it seems like uh, everybody's kind of been gearing up for this one, even going back before uh, the opener. What do you think we can expect from Illinois versus North Carolina this weekend? Yeah, Lovey Smith eventually did say, yeah, this is a measuring stick game. And basically every every Illinois player said, yeah, we're kind of interested to see what we are made of. Because North Carolina, I mean, they won the Coastal Division in the ACC last year. They lost a couple key players, and, and uh, Landon Turner, guard, who's really good, and Marquise Williams, uh, their dual-threat quarterback, who's one of the better quarterbacks in the ACC last year. Uh, but they're big, they're physical, they have a heck of a running attack. Ryan Switzer, the wide receiver, is a, a legit a big play threat. You know, um, they got an offensive line, he's got over 100 career starts, so the offense is going to be a big test for Illinois' defense. Can Illinois stop the run? I have no doubts that this is going to be a, an elite pass-rushing team uh, with their defensive line. But can they stop the run? That's been their their Achilles heel and uh, Big Ten play for the last three, four years. Um, and, and then I think on offense, you're looking for can they run the football? You know, North Carolina is not a very good defense. That's been uh, the Tar Heels' Achilles heel, if you will, um, the last couple of years. So uh, their defense hasn't been great, but it's a big, strong, fast defense. Illinois last year in that 48-14 loss, you know, they moved the ball really well in the first half, but they had a bunch of drop passes, including Marchie Murdoch in the end zone. Andrew Davis had a couple key drops in that game. So I think the running games uh, will tell the story because that's what separates the contenders from the pretenders once you get into the conference play, especially in the Big Ten. So uh, what are those running attacks going to have? And, and you're right, Vinny, this is the biggest game uh, Illinois had at Memorial Stadium in a very long time, especially non-conference. The last I could think of is Arizona State 2011. Brock Osweiler, Vontez Burfick, and a ranked Arizona State team came in here, and uh, Vic Koning's defense shut them down, and uh, it was 17-13 win. Uh, that was a big one for Illinois. They went to 6-0 and that year, but I think we all know how that season ended. <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, do you see do you see a big rushing day? Do you see Vaughn bouncing back? Do you see Foster kind of being able to continue with? What do you think? I don't. Um, I, that that's been my. I don't think this is a great 
up-front team. I, you know, uh, I think Christian DeLore and Austin Schmidt are two solid offensive tackles. I think Nick Allegretti uh, has been a has been a, and he's taken a big step forward uh, since last year. I mean, he's he's going to be one of their better run blockers. But Gabe Meggins is going to be really good down the line. But he's a redshirt freshman. We saw Wisconsin last year had a bunch of redshirt freshmen. Even if they're good, they usually struggle because the technique just isn't there. Just mentally, everything's going really quick for him. I mean, they had three guys on the interior with Joe Spencer out last week who are making their first career start and their first career game. Uh, really. Um, in the Big Ten, in the, for Illinois, and Dartate Lee, a true freshman, was playing, and he was just okay. Um, Jordan Fagan came in and did a solid job, but that was against Murray State again. So the big question is, how physical is Illinois? Keyshawn Vaughn didn't have a great game. Um, I, I didn't think the blocking was great in front of him, but he also missed a couple cuts. Uh, his vision wasn't great. Uh, and then Kendrick Foster, can he duplicate? I mean, kind of got to see it again and again uh, before he truly believe it. But I think Derek McGee's going to try to um, because you know the pass kind of set up the run last game and that's fine you know you don't always have to have the run set up the the pass because if the defense is going to give you the pass well that's going to open up the run maybe so um west Lawn, i think is obviously talented we'll see if his receivers can back that up but i have still huge doubts that this running attack can do it against uh, a legit power five opponent yeah so i mean you could be looking at two kind of opposite ends of the spectrum with an easy team in the first week and a real hard team in the second week by the end of the season though from start to finish how much improvement do you expect to see I mean Lovey Smith Lovey Smith kind of has some long-term uh aspirations you know with recruiting and what he'll be able to do there but for this year's team from start to finish how much improvement do you think we're going to see it's weird because Vinny I think this team could be better than last year but I think their record could be the same or worse, if, if that makes sense. Because last year they had three non-conference games that were pretty much gimmies. Um, and, and Nebraska, you know, they got a couple bounces to go their way. Of course, some bounces went the wrong way uh, against teams like Iowa, Northwestern, Minnesota. Um, I, it's weird. I think this team could be anywhere from – four and eight to probably you know maybe even eight and four if things go absolutely right because we've seen the west isn't all that great i don't think minnesota's as good as some people think uh northwestern I, that was a 10 and 2 team last year but everything went their way last year i think iowa's better i think wisconsin's better and i think nebraska's better but are they way better to where an Illinois team with some of the top talent they have can, can sneak out a win? No. Um, so I, I think this team will look better. I think the defense is definitely going to be uh, legit in the Big Ten. For me, it's all about the offense. Can you know, West Lawn is a great passer. Um, he's one of the best passers, I think, in college football. But do they have the run game? Do they have the offensive line? Do they have the receivers who can be consistent? Those are my big questions. I think that all gets exposed, especially when you don't have depth. You know, Illinois' biggest issue is is depth on offense, especially. You know, if West Lawn goes down or Keyshawn Vaughn goes down, uh, this team uh, could go down the toilet bowl pretty quick. So, um, you know, it's going to be interesting to watch, Vinny, because there's so many games that I think are toss-ups on the schedule. I do think the team will look better, and I think the future is a lot brighter, but it might take three or four years before we really see what that future is going to be with with Lovey Smith because the sophomore and junior classes are weak, but I have no doubts Lovey Smith's going to be able to recruit just based on what he's done so far. Jeremy Werner covers the Illini like a blanket for Illini Inquirer. Jeremy, thanks so much for joining us. 
Anytime, Vinny. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Big thanks to Jeremy for joining us uh, and talking about the Illini. Of course, we're going to be watching that Illini-North Carolina game with great interest this weekend. But now it's time to go out east and take a look uh, in the East Division where Penn State has a big game this weekend against Pitt. Megan Ryan of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. She covers Penn State football. Megan, thanks so much for your time today. How are you doing? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks so much. Well, 33-13, to that was the score of Penn State's season opening win over Kent State this past weekend. One of their missions this offseason, obviously, was to improve their offense that was kind of ineffective in the first couple seasons under James Franklin. Uh, new coordinator, new quarterback. Uh, what kind of progress did you see toward that goal in that first game? I mean, I think it was a good first outing. Um, we haven't really seen a lot of this new offense uh we don't really see a lot of it in practice um, because they only open like the last 10 minutes. So like there's only really so much you can see in those last 10 minutes. Um, and the spring game was one thing, but this is really the first uh, kind of look, the good look that we had at it. And uh, I thought it was good. Um, the first few drives were a little slow. I think we've been hearing a lot about the up-tempo and, and you know, how important that was going to be. And um, I think the first few drives were like three and out. So it wasn't, it, it took them a little while to get into it. Um, but, you know, towards the end, you started to kind of see what it could be. And I think, you know, it's only going to kind of get stronger from this point. Um, but I thought it was good. Uh, Trace McSorley, uh, his first start at quarterback, um, he had a decent game. I think there were there were a few things, like there was an opportunity where uh, we had a tight end. There was a tight end, Mike Gusecki, in the end zone. And uh, McSorley kind of, like, underthrew it, and it was, like, a wide-open thing. Um, so he had a few moments like that. Um, but overall, it was it was a pretty like solid start. So it'll be interesting to see how it kind of continues to develop, especially with this Pitt Penn State game this weekend. Obviously, they've got a big weapon in Saquon Barkley out of the backfield. Uh, you know, already considered by many to be one of the best, if not the best, running back in the Big Ten. What do you think his uh, ceiling is here in his sophomore year? I don't know if he has a ceiling. It's kind of <laughs> the thing. Um, Barkley is is a great. He's like a great talent, and it was it was funny. Like even though. He had a pretty quiet game, I guess, uh, against Kent State. He rushed for over 100 yards, but he, you know, he, it was hard because, and I think this is going to be something he's going to run into throughout this season. You know, Kent State was loading the box, and it was it was hard for him to get um, kind of those breakthrough moments that he can do kind of stunning things in. But he still had some, like, really crazy plays that were pretty funny. Like, there were a few times where um, it looked like he and McSorley kind of bobbled the handoff or it wasn't as... as as fluid as it could be and it, and it looks like it could be like a four yard five yard loss and all of a sudden Barkley just like kind of finds a way gets out of there and he makes like a, a, a four yard gain when it could have been a loss so it's it's those kind of things that you see and you're it, it's impressive because you would think like you know most running backs or or some players that don't kind of have his his vision or his kind of talent uh wouldn't think to, to be able to make that into something when it when it was a play that could have been really bad so uh I think he's gonna he's going to be just as good as last year, if not better. So it'll be really great to see what else he can do this year. Some big names departed from what was a great defensive line last year, one of the best D lines in the country last year. Uh, but it didn't seem to uh, have too much impact. Uh, seven sacks. I mean, the, the defense forced three turnovers in that game. I mean, the defense is still the strength of this team, wouldn't you say? Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, I mean, the offense has an opportunity, I guess, to catch up because it is a new system. And, you know, who knows how much better they're going to get throughout the year. But, the, yeah, the defense is still really strong. You've got a lot of um, leadership back there, especially in the linebacker group. You've got Naeem Mortman-White back. Um, 
from an injury last season and uh, you've got like Brandon Bell and Jace Cabinda, the other linebackers back there, and they've got kind of some good chemistry going. So that group is really strong. Um, and then, you know, the D-line, I think everybody, that was a, a big question coming into the season with the loss of, of those three big guys to the NFL. Um, but yeah, seven sacks coming out. I think that was the most sacks that Penn State had in a game since like 2011 or something. So it, that was pretty impressive, and I don't think a lot of us were expecting that. So to see a performance like that in the season opener, I, I mean, it was Kent State. It wasn't maybe like Ohio State or something like that, but um, I think that that shows something good and that, that you know, it, it's not going to be as big of a hurdle for them to overcome losing those three guys. You mentioned this weekend's big game against Pitt and, uh, you know, the, the two teams that used to play each other all the time in-state uh, and and it's been 16 years, but they're going to play again this weekend. What is kind of the feeling out there in Pennsylvania about uh, these two teams finally getting back together? You know, it's interesting. Um, I'm not a Pennsylvania native, so like this is a, a new thing for me. Um, but it's been really cool to kind of see uh, what this rivalry is like. Um, and it's it's funny. I think uh, I think I think the fans are really into it, and I think that they are really they really are kind of excited to see the startup again, but it's been interesting from the team's perspectives just to see like how they're treating it. Cause I know, um, Pitt had like, it's a four game home and home series that they've kind of agreed to over the next four years. And Pitt had said that they wanted to like extend that like deal and make it an every year thing. And Penn state had kind of, you know, not really been committal on that. And they said, Oh, well, scheduling is really hard. And so, um, and then you hear this week, Pat Narduzzi, Pitt's coach, has said that he's going to close down the media availability. So he's the only one doing interviews this week, no assistant coaches, no players. I think he's closing practice, too, or something like that. And Penn State's having a regular media week, um, as they usually do. So it's just kind of interesting to look at it from that perspective. And then actually just uh, just this morning, which is, is Tuesday, Trace McSorley, who's Penn State's quarterback, was on a conference call and was kind of bluntly asked, like, do you think this is a rivalry game? And he was like, no, it's, I don't really consider it a rivalry game. It's more of like a, a next game on the schedule uh, mentality. Uh, so that part's kind of interesting. And I don't know if that like is going to kind of stir the fire maybe um, or if it's just going to kind of play out just regularly as a regular game on Saturday. I have no idea. So I think it's going to be really interesting to see because I think once the game happens, I think that's when we'll, we'll really see if that rivalry is still there and if it still kind of has that spark. 16 years, they don't even remember how to handle a rivalry anymore. I know, I think we said that, like, I think the media people were talking, and I think, like, Trace McSorley was five or something when, like, <laughs> the last time Pitt and Penn State had played. So, yeah, it'll be interesting. The big thing, for, for me at least, is the up the step up in competition for Penn State. I mean, Pitt is no perennial power by any means, but this seems to me to be one of the biggest non-conference regular season games that, that Penn State has played in five years since they played Alabama a, a while back. Uh, I mean, how do you think that that's going to affect things, Pitt, uh, Penn State at least, kind of playing a, a different level of competition in the non-conference schedule? Yeah, for sure. I think it's going to be, I think it's important. I think that, you know, making those kind of playing those teams that are maybe not going to be as much of a pushover in the non-conference season is, is important. And I think it's going to show a lot about what this Penn State team can do. Uh, you know, there's been a lot of talk, I guess, about Franklin ever at Penn State not beating a ranked team and um, all of that stuff. And so if, if they can kind of pull out uh, a win against Pitt, not only with it being a rivalry game, but with Pitt being like a pretty decent team, um, 
I think that's going to be kind of big. And, you know, there's been a lot of talk about this season kind of being like a hot seat season for Franklin. And I don't, I don't know if I like fully subscribe to like how dramatic that sounds, but I do think that this is an important season. They're fully out of all the sanction situations and they're kind of got this new offense. And, you know, it, it seems like it's almost like a whole fresh start, even though they've obviously have players that, been with with the team for like five years or whatnot but I think this is kind of like a a defining season for them so if they can pull off a win in this game I think that'll do a lot to to what the season can be for them and then after what Ohio State and Michigan did in uh, their week one wins uh, how more daunting does the Big Ten East look from Penn State's perspective do you think (laughs) I mean it's pretty daunting Uh, it's a a tough side of the conference Um, and I think that you know, Penn State's known that for the past few years. <laughs> so, I mean, it's going to be, it's going to be, it's going to be a challenge, but, um, you know, who knows? That's, that's what I always say. You never know. So <laughs> we'll just have to wait and see. It's the beauty of college football. Yes, it is. That's the fun part. I mean, Texas, Notre Dame, like, you know, things like that happen. It's great. <laughs> Tremendous. Tremendous. Megan Ryan, thank you so much for joining us and people can check out your stuff at the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Yeah, thank you. Have a good one. Big thanks to Megan and to Jeremy Warner from Illini Inquirer. That's going to do it for our show this week. A big week, two in the Big Ten coming up. Please enjoy college football this weekend and every weekend during the fall. You can check us out at csnchicago.com slash Big Ten. That's slash B-I-G hyphen T-E-N. Uh, and give us a follow uh, on Twitter at CSN Big Ten at CSN B-I-G-T-E-N. Or at my personal account at Vinny Duber. Thank you so much for listening, and we will talk to you next time.